From the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between, this is the 5050 Podcast, powered by National Scouting Report. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another edition of the 5050 podcast powered by our proud, our proud partners, National Scouting Report, NSR. They are the world's leading authority on all athletic recruiting. You can get more information on what they're about on their social media on Twitter at NSR now, as well as on Instagram at NSR underscore now, as well as on their website at NSR Inc.com. All right, my next guest, he joins us currently fresh off the pitch, currently at the uh, University of Virginia Summer uh, summer ID Camp, right? He is Coach Andrew Green, the head, uh, or yeah, I should say the associate head women's soccer coach of the VMI Cadets. Coach, how you doing? Good, good, yeah. Clearly fresh off the uh, fresh off the pitch, yeah. <laughs> was really grateful to put on a pair of slides and just sit down for a bit. So yeah, really excited. Yeah. Very fresh. I can still smell the grass on it. Man, that sounds great. So, um, so how's the how's the camping going the last couple of days? I know you've been kind of you've been jobbing in, right? Currently at University of Virginia. Tell us uh, what's that summer been like a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, as a college coach, it's a little bit of working camps and you know a little bit of recruiting, being on the road quite a bit. Uh, and you know, some of these some of our camps, you know, I, I, I like working even though I get. Uh, Working with some of the younger players, you know, I get to see coaches that I don't see during the year. Um, we all seem to work quite a few camps together. And, you know, this past weekend being at Virginia Tech and seeing a lot of coaches that I haven't seen in quite a while. So um, it's always a good time, you know, networking and seeing friends and obviously getting to coach a bit and getting able to be on the field, especially during the summer where uh, as a college coach, you know, your time on the field is a little limited. So um, it's always good to, you know, being able to try new things and try them with different players and being able to recruit a little bit. So, yeah, um, getting to the tail end of it. So ready for ready for preseason to start soon, though. Yeah, I, I bet. I can only imagine. Um, so, you know, big, uh, big one in the room, big elephant in the room, I guess, whatever we want to call it right now. Got to talk about it right on a soccer podcast. Uh, FIFA Women's World Cup uh, just yeah. kicked off. Thoughts on it so far? How much have you had a chance to see? I know it's kind of it messes with everyone's sleeping sleeping cycle for sure. Uh, thoughts on uh, the U.S. Women's National Team's match last night and any other matches you've seen so far? Yeah, you know, um, you know, it seems one of the continuing themes in the World Cup is missed penalties so far. You know, there's yeah. been quite a few so far. Um, but yeah, obviously the the time difference doesn't help. It kind of reminds me of back in 2010 when South Africa World Cup and, you know, everyone's getting up super late or super early to watch games. And, um, but yeah, you know, the women last night, um, it kind of seemed a, a, a lack of like a, a killer instinct almost. It kind of seemed mm -hmm. like we were playing, playing, playing and, you know, just trying to have that killer instinct to get them behind and kind of put the game away pretty early. Um, I don't know if it was, you know, just traveling across the world and finally getting able to be 
on that stage. And, you know, we're also, you know, Trinity Rodman's first World Cup, Sophia Smith's first World Cup, um, you know, half of our midfield's first World Cup, except for Lindsay Horan last night and Rose Lavelle. Right. So, um, you know, and obviously a new coach as well for, for this World Cup cycle. Uh, yeah, I think it was going to take a little bit of feeling it out and getting a little comfortable. But, um, you know, I think I think going forward, I think there should be some of those kinks worked out. And obviously in that first game where you're not playing against a, a Holland or a Portugal or something like that, you know, you can kind of try and experiment a little bit. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the, you know, I'm, I'm super excited. I have a lot of, a lot of DVR games on my YouTube TV to watch. Um, yeah. One, a girl that I used to coach actually at one point in their youth stage is going to be a, is on the Haiti national team. Um, nice. One of the goalkeepers, so I have a little bit of a personal following this year. So yeah, it'll be it'll be really excited. That was speaking uh, speaking of Haiti. That was a kind of a surprising result, right? Overnight yeah, with yeah. Uh, with England. Um, I know some people I spoke with this morning, they were like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't feel so bad about the U S uh, the U S performance now yesterday. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. you talk about the U S talk about the U S women's team and my take on it. It was interesting just cause my take on it, like many, I just kind of, it seemed like, um, I don't know how to, how to describe it. It seemed, it seemed very much just out of sorts, right? It just seemed and I don't know if it was Vladko's just kind of experimental <clears throat> starting 11 or yeah. what it was, but it seemed very much just lacking chemistry. And yeah. and who knows how much of it is, too, is, you know, you mentioned the number of new players as well as and then some of the key injuries, right? That mm-hmm. So this team kind of still sorting itself out very much. So it was interesting to watch them. Um, yeah look the way they looked right it's far and you know you talk about a what was it i think a 20 i saw two different figures i saw a 28 to 1 uh shot ratio right versus vietnam and then i saw a 28 to 0 so to put up three points or three goals i should say with those kind of numbers when you have alex you know alex morgan yes trinity robin in her first and we know what sophia smith did last night but mm-hmm. that does kind of make you you know you you can't go into it and say yes we got the three points but we clearly got some stuff to work out on uh to work on i should say and then for me personally i thought the real immediate impact difference playmaker you know off the bench was rose lavelle i mean just you're just scratching your head is like why and i get it it's it's vietnam maybe coaches trying to figure out some things save some legs but yeah i mean that's probably a totally different game from the start with rose lavelle on the starting yeah, and it was good to see her and uh, Alyssa Thompson come off the bench and kind of make an immediate impact. And, you know, someone who just wanted to get the ball and drive and go at players. And there was like, there wasn't really a hesitation with those two players. And you could kind of see, you know, going into the first half and a little bit. And as, you know, you score a goal, you get a little bit more comfortable. You really didn't see, um, you know, that kind of killer instinct to just. Yeah. You know, like last last World Cup, where in our first game, you know, thirteen nothing, and Jill Ellis is saying, you know, how how it's part of soccer, right? We're not going right. to just play down to our opponents like that. Right. And you know, this year it's kind of like you know, obviously different coach, new players, but you know, it's kind of just finding what is going to take that kind of killer instinct because as you get later on the tournament, you're going to have to find a little bit of rhythm, and finding the back of the net really early is always good for any sort of striker. So yeah. Um, so right, yeah, it, yeah, it'll certainly be interesting yeah. going forward. And, 
shout out to one of our supporters here in Ken Murphy out of from Ken Murphy Photography. Talking about one of his clients, yes, uh, Bella. I don't know that I'm, I'm assuming that's pronounced Passion, but um, making one of the alternates on that that story on the uh, the Philippine team is pretty interesting. Have you had a chance to read up on that yet? I haven't yet. Um, yeah, yeah, I've been a little busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they have eighteen, eighteen, uh, eighteen American uh, American citizens on that uh, on that wow. team for the Philippines. Okay. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting. Pretty great stuff. Um, thoughts on who's? I know what my answer is, but I'll ask you first. Thoughts on who's impressed you from what either you've seen highlights, what you've gathered. Who's uh, impressed you? Which country has pressed you, impressed you the most so far? Um, you know, uh, watching, you know, watching a little bit of Denmark this morning, there was something there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a little bit of a, a, a different one, you know, England this morning, I wish I saw more. Um, but you know, I, I, I think watching Denmark right now, like there is something there. Um, there's something that could kind of be a dark horse going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I have not had a chance to see that one yet. So I got that one. Oh. Speaking of DVR, I got that one recorded. <laughs> um, for me so far, it's been Spain. Yeah, uh, they just like wow, like they kind of came out quick, three zero, couldn't stop scoring, and then just kind of coasted. Yeah. We're able to, we're able to just kind of rest some legs. So we'll we'll see. You know, we'll yeah. see. Um, but yeah, I think you talk about dark horses. One of the one of the teams whose performance I've been most impressed with so far has been. You know, our good friend of the podcast, a fellow, fellow 50-50 podcast alum and Randy Waldrum, coach yeah. for Nigeria. Uh, so, yeah, I've been very impressed there. So, yeah. yeah so, um, but enough on the uh, on the World Cup front. So, we're here to talk about about you and your program, coach. Yeah. So, um, the, you're going into your third year. Did I get that right? Third year? Correct. That yeah. And then you got the nod. You got the promotion to associate head in this past January. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank um, you. Talk to us briefly, right? Some people, because I get this question every now and then <clears throat> from parents in particular, associate head, associate head coach. How do you explain that? Because I know you get the question, right? Associate, what, is, what does that mean? What do you do? What changes? Blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. What is, yeah. in your case, what does that mean? Yeah, you know, the way that we kind of term it, you know, when uh, my boss, Chris, gave me the promotion, it was kind of, you know, there's a manager and a first team coach type percent like if you look at a Premier League level like there's going to be he wants to take all of the 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 big stuff the umbrellas kind of oversee it from the top and you know if there's a training session you know he wants me running you know 70 percent of it so he can kind of be the eyes and ears of what's going on and catch the little details that we're missing um you know that's that's kind of the biggest training perspective you know and I think you know, we've had such a good rapport between the two of us when it comes to recruiting and playing that, you know, he kind of just sees me as his right hand man almost. And he jokes around a little bit that it's more of like a chief of staff type of uh, oh, nice. promotion. So that's uh, a good one. I hadn't heard one quite like, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So sometimes I like it. Sometimes, you know, chief of staff <laughs> is the most stressful position right. there is. But yeah, um, yeah you know, it, it, just a lot of things fall under my umbrella when it comes to just, uh, you know, I've had a big say now in what our playing model looks like, our playing styles, um, you know, when it comes to recruiting stuff, you know, before as the first assistant, assistant coach, we had different roles and um, my big responsibility was as a recruiting coordinator. So uh, that still falls under me because it's one of the best things that I love to do about um, being a college coach. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's definitely something I'm very appreciative of Chris. He's been very good to me, um, very good to me and my family. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just something that kind of 
helps me as I progress along my coaching journey. I, you know, obviously I have an end goal uh, to be a head coach and, you know, and when you get a little bit more responsibility and get a little bit more uh, say on a program, right. That's how you kind of find your coaching voice, find your coaching style, find how I want to do things as well. And that's really how that promotion has kind of worked. It's been, you know, we always joke around a little bit, you know, cause I'm someone that, I want to take a lot of things on my plate and sometimes at a fault. Um, but uh, uh, it's always something that just how I am, you know, I want to have hands on and on things. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been yeah. great since, uh, since that moment, nothing, nothing super big has changed, but it's definitely uh, been a little bit more responsibility. Yeah. Great. So, you know, you talk about your, the ambition to have your program, hopefully one day, right. Um, but tell us a little bit where where else have you been prior to your three going on your three years here at VMI? Give us a little bit of background on you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I originally grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, so a little far from Virginia. Played played high school, played club, did all that good stuff down there. Um, when my recruiting process came, I, I really didn't know what I wanted. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do in school. I, I just knew that I wanted to play at some point, as most guys do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, I went to a junior college for a year in Florida um, and then kind of figured out my next step. And I went to Olivet College in Michigan, which is a small division three school. Um, and at, towards the end of my playing career, I kind of realized that coaching was kind of the next step. It's just the type of person that I was. And um, so um, leaving while I was playing at Olivet, um, I picked up a high school team that was in the area. They just asked if I could, I just asked if I could volunteer, right? Can I just come to sessions when I can? Can I just help whatever I can? Um, after one season with the boys and girls, they handed me the varsity head coaching job the next fall. So, um, yeah, so it kind of I, like, and at that point as a, as a first year coach, like I was doing things that, you know, our coach did with us in training at, at the college level. Like I, I really had no idea what kind of coach I wanted to be. I had an, a very small idea, but, right. um, so after that I graduated, um, I took on a position at Western Carolina University on the women's side, um, was there for two years, um, and then moved back up to Michigan. It was at Western Michigan for a year. Um, and then for a while being on the women's side, I kind of wanted to go to the men's side for a little bit. I, I didn't know why. I just felt like that being a, a younger male coach, I thought that I would be a little bit better on the men's side. Uh, I found out very quickly I wasn't after three years. Uh, that just didn't fit my personality. I was at, I was back in my alma mater for two years, and I was at a small school in our conference, Albion College, for two years okay. or for a year. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then I had known uh, my boss Chris here from afar for a little bit, and I think I think I got a cryptic test text from him one day, and he just said like, "Hey, uh, both of my assistants are leaving." do you know anyone who's interested in the job or who would be interested? And I, I could kind of read through the the cryptic text there for a minute. And I said, Hey, and I like, you know, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be interested. And so um, interviewed came up here, right. uh, love the area, love Lexington um, and have been here since now. So yeah, I'm going into year three here at BMI and year 10 in college coaching. Gotcha. Awesome. And we'll obviously we'll dive into more about the program and your yeah. institution more in a minute. But so we look at 20, you look back at 2022, right? The fall season, biggest lessons, biggest lessons learned, biggest takeaways going, uh, coming out of that, uh, that fall season last year. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we were a very young team. Um, last year we had three seniors on our roster and uh, six juniors out of a roster of 30 players. So uh, 21 players were underclassmen and a lot of them hadn't seen the field hardly ever. Or, you know, and when we looked at our, our starting 11, right at times, you know, there was maybe a combined 15 games played between our whole starting 11. And obviously in a college career, you can roughly play about 80 games. So um, we were on it. We were inexperienced and obviously we can't use that as an excuse, but I think this year we definitely took our lumps quite a bit. And we found out that, uh, you know, in college soccer, it's the lapses that kill you, right? You can play great for, for 80. You can play great for 85. It's that five, 10 minutes of just lapsing for that long. That absolutely kills you. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, as a coach, there was a lot of frustrations, right? You know, you feel like you're doing a lot of things right and you're not getting the results that I think what we kind of found out is that um, as we went forward, right, we started to continue to grow and we just bought into the fact that we're going to continue to grow these players and we're going to continue to grow our playing style right now. And, you know, I think as we went forward and as we kind of finished this spring in the 2023 spring, um, we changed a couple tactical things and I think we kind of found that as we changed a little bit of our identity and kind of went to more of a, a blue collar mentality, right? I think we right. found that that's what's going to work for us. And, you know, when we ended the spring uh, this fall, I thought we were playing some of the best soccer that we played in three years. Um, you know, we were pressing teams, we we're getting in behind, we were creating opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, for lack of better words, right? I, I think this year kind of helped us re identify how we want to play and how we need to play to make this team be successful. Um, and I think that our players grew immensely. I think, you know, when you, when you face the adversity that you face, not only at a military school, but at um, having that on the field as well, right. You're only going to grow into better people and better, better athletes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that really gets us excited going into this fall. Awesome. And, you know, one of, one of the reasons why I was so looking, you know, you and I, obviously we spoke offline a good bit. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I was personally excited to have you on is the, you know, we come from similar, similar worlds, similar backgrounds to me having been, having been at the Air Force Academy as well. So I, I know what you're kind of, what you're dealing with, what you're up against, right. the, how you have to work, not going to say work around, but work through things, right? It's just it's just a different animal, right? So tell us a little bit for our listeners, right out there. They may not know much. They yeah, they may know about the service academies, mm -hmm. but then they hear you know VMI and they just kind of they zoom in on the military word, and that's really all they kind of they think they know, but they don't really know. What's tell us a little bit about the uniqueness of of coaching and maybe even attending a place like VMI. What's just what what sets it apart? Yeah, so um, obviously the service the service academies are um, to a point where you are required to commission to the military after graduation. Um, at VMI, it is not required. Obviously, we do have quite a large population that will commission to the military, but it's something where you get the option to decide if that's something that fits your um, your life plan, right? So. Um, you know, we have on our team right now, we're probably about 50-50 commissioning, non-commissioning. Um, and obviously, VMI is a full military institute, right? Um, they wear uniforms to school. They do ROTC training. Um, 
You know, there there is kind of a basic training type of mentality with the route line as a freshman. Um, so I think like obviously one of the key differences for us is the commissioning piece, right? So um, and at VMI, you can commission to any branch of the military. Um, so while you go to a service academy, you're kind of going like, for instance, you go to West Point, you're going to the army, you're kind of picking which job in the in the army suits what you want to do, right? At VMI, um, you can broaden your horizons a little bit and pick which uh, branch to commission to. So sure. it kind of, I think our players really like the flexibility that comes with that, obviously being able to choose, but also mm-hmm. being able to choose to commission or not commission. Cause um, we have, you know, I, I, in the three years that I've recruited at VMI, um, you know, we've had players who have come in very gung ho on commissioning. This is what I want to do. They find out by their junior year. Uh, that's not really for me. And, you know, it's not something where you have to leave the school, like one of the academies. Um, and then obviously we have the complete opposite of that, where it's like, Hey, I, I really don't want much to do with this. I like the environment. I like the structure, um, but I don't really want to commission. And then by year three, you know, you find out that they're commissioning. Um, so yeah, and, you know, coaching at VMI, it it definitely keeps you on your toes. Um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, there's there's things that pop up all the time, and you know, being a coach, like there are times where you know, I I don't know that our players were up at five a.m. You know, marching or we're up you know late last night doing a sweat party which is basically like a hit workout um so yeah it definitely keeps me on my toes you know it's definitely made me to have a plan a plan b plan c and plan d you know for things when things happen yeah um but you know I, i think being here and being at vmi like you know we get some incredible human beings that are going to do some incredible things in life. So I think being in that environment, being around those people and being around people who are so disciplined and committed and wanting to do this for the rest of their life, but also wanting to play soccer as well. Like it's definitely something where as a coach, you know, there's, there's obviously, you know, some things that, you know, are a little frustrating, but obviously there are some problems that coaches at state schools have that I will never have at VMI. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a unique experience. Um, and I think it's certainly made me a better coach just because I am always on my toes and I am never sticking to just plan a, I'm, I'm always ready for what's going to pop up next. Yeah, absolutely. You got, got to be flexible, especially at (laughs) at a military institution. Most common misconception about VMI, I guess what you come across in speaking with people, questions you get asked, what's maybe the most common misconception about VMI? Uh, probably that you, that you're going in, that you're going into the military after graduation. Um, I think a lot of people, especially in the recruiting world, we've kind of had to go out and obviously we, we can't just sit in Virginia and recruit Virginia's backyard. You know, we have to be a national brand and kind of go out and find players all over the country just to find these certain kinds of individuals. So, you know, as we've kind of gotten our name out to the world, to the rest of the country, and even internationally, because we do have one international student, um, you know, we, we've kind of realized that, you know, they look at it and they're like, yeah, the military is not for me. And I just have to say, like, listen, like, you know, this is an environment where even if you don't go to the military, you're going to walk out of VMI making an incredible salary right away because VMI alums want to hire VMI cadets. They want to hire them right after they graduate. and you're going to walk out making an incredible salary. And we talk to our, our recruits and our kids quite a bit about the delayed gratification of that, right? This is 
This is going to be an intense four years. It's going to fly by a bit, but it's going to set you up for the next 40 years of your life. So, right. um, yeah, yeah I, I think that's the biggest one. And, you know, I think the other biggest misconception is surprisingly a lot of, a lot of, uh, People don't know that we're a Division One school, and we are. And we play in a very competitive conference. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, while everything of this is great, you know, we have to be prepared to play the Sanfords and the Furmans and the Mercers of the world every every week. So yeah, yeah, great. So you know, you talked about year when you first arrived to now, right? What's changed the most? What's been maybe the biggest single change from? when you got there year one to now going into year three, single biggest change? Yeah. Um, you know, our conference, our conference has, you know, at one point our conference was you could kind of see the top half and you could kind of see the bottom half. Um, those two places have kind of gone squish in the middle. So the parity, um, right? Yeah. Everyone has become competitive. Um, you know, this year, you know, a team like Chattanooga that came in, uh, in the bottom four in 21, won the conference in 22. So, I mean, it's definitely made that, you know, and, you know, for us as a program, I think, um, you know, we had a team in 21 that could, that was a little bit more driven towards being ball playing players, right? We kind of realized that at times we're not going to out athlete teams. We're going to have to out soccer teams to be successful. Um, and, you know, I think we've come to realize in the college landscape that you need a good mix of both. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. You need to be athletic at times, certain spaces, and you need to have really good soccer players in certain spaces. <laughs> so um, we've kind of shifted our recruiting a little bit towards um, finding really good athletic soccer players. Right. And we've kind of become a little bit more, I don't want to say picky, but a little bit more um, selective of what our, our, what our player pool looks like. And I think as we kind of progress towards that playing model and, you know, looking to press teams and looking to, once we win it, get the ball down and play and kind of play this um, kind of like a direct possession, right? We look to play the first ball forward every time, right? And then from there, can we get it up to our playmakers and they can make a decision from there? So um, it's kind of giving a little bit of creative freedom, but, you know, we know that as we win the ball, we want to get the ball forward, right? You, Right. This game's about scoring goals, unfortunately. Um, so get the ball forward and try and play. So yeah, it's um, it's something that we've worked hard towards. And I think, you know, we looked at our 22 and 23 classes that have come in here and they've been quite good. And we have um, quite a good pool right now for 24 and 25. So I think, I think it'll be heading in the right direction. Yeah. You, you talk about the athleticism and tactical skill or technical skill, I should say, as well as, you know, thorough tech, tactical understanding. Mm -hmm. You got to have, you know, you got to have that cross-pollinization, obviously, especially at the D1 level on. But the other piece, too, that goes with that, especially at the D1 level, is the depth of that blend, right? You got to have yeah. some significant blend because it, it's a it's a grind. It's a grind, no doubt. Yeah. Um, thoughts uh, thoughts on the upcoming fall season? Um, yeah, we're really excited. Um, I think, like I said, as we kind of progressed through 22, um, and ended the spring, right. We ended in a place where, um, we changed uh, our defensive structure. We changed a little bit of our attacking mindset and, you know, we kind of got to a point where, um, instead of just being a possession based team, we were looking to be dangerous and behind and win the ball back high up the field. Right. And, um, our 23 class that's coming in, uh, we're really excited about, uh, there's, 
players from all over the country. You know, we, we went as far as Washington State and Portland Thorns Academy to get a player and um, and as close as home as Northern Virginia. So we went an, anywhere and everywhere. And, you know, we do have a couple of players on our roster from the state of Texas. So um, and one, another another one coming in this year. So, um, you know, I, I think the the mix of the returning players that really bought into the spring and, you know, the progression that was made in the in the spring with a lot of those players um, and our culture kind of went in a completely different, great direction in the spring. Right. And obviously when the way our 22 season went, it's really easy for, you know, the culture to fall apart um, and, you know, to build that back up in the spring and to get back to where we want to go and bring in, you know, 11 great players from 11 great clubs that are going to help impact us as well. Um, and to return the players that we return, uh, I'm, I'm very excited. I think, you know, looking at our preseason setup, you know, we were, we were planning some sessions earlier, my boss and I, and, you know, we look at it and it's just like, you know, I, I think we're going to be at a point where we have that variety and depth to kind of, you know, when teams are going to sit in against us, we're going to have mm-hmm. the, the soccer players that can break those, break those lines and get to be high. Um, if a team wants to turn into a track meet, you know, we can, we have some of those athletes that can keep up with those players. Um, so I think, you know, and obviously as the college landscape kind of looks right, you know, every, you know, it's a little different now with the transfer portal, but you know, every three, four years, you know, you're kind of re like retooling what your team looks like and what your playing style looks like, depending on who stays, who goes and things like that, then you know, knock on wood for us, you know, we, we don't really lose players to go to the transfer portal. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, as we continue to return these players, I think it'll be quite uh, a good little uh, core that we're going to put together. Great. Yeah. And, you know, from so many, you hit on so many great things here, but tell us, Kind of let us let us peek behind the curtains here. Obviously, you're not on campus right now, but you all get started coaching a little over a week, right? So tell us what does that look like over the next seven to ten days as far as you for you, the transition back to campus, getting ready, yeah, yeah. getting ready, training sessions on day one. What does that look like over maybe the next seven to ten days? Yeah, a lot of office hours. Um uh get it get in the office and kind of, you know, we'll nail down our first we've kind of nailed down the topics for the first bit of preseason, but now we will kind of look to nail down the actual training sessions. Right. Um, you know, as we get back on campus, it's getting, you know, the logistical things ready, getting ready for our players to move in. Um, our players will, a lot of our out of state players will come in, uh, the day before moving. So, um, which is ready. Is that, is that any day now? That is next Sunday, a week from tomorrow. So gotcha. it's a little bit of an early start this year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever started in July as a college coach. So, um, but yeah, you know, as we start to get ready, it's kind of, you know, kind of tooling some of those things where um, we've kind of put together a uh, playing model through the whole, how we want to do things, but we've also put together our uh, periodization chart, which basically, you know, says this is the session, this is the intensity, you know, so we're kind of at a point where we do have our GPS monitors that kind of modify, um, looks at that as well. So we'll know what our team looks like after every session. Mm -hmm. But um, when we plan that, right, it's kind of planning to a point, like we say that um, we're not a a group that wants to run, you know, three weeks of two a days, right? And because as we get to our first game, uh, our team's going to be completely shot. 
Um, so it's kind of mixing in which days are double sessions, you know, on the field are some of those double session days, a classroom session where we're going over tactics or watching, you know, training film or, you know, looking at expectations for the fall, doing a team activity. Um, so it's kind of planning, you know, what are, what those next three weeks kind of look like. And, you know, as we get ready for our first exhibition on the 12th, um, you know, I think we're, we're kind of just prepping for what we kind of take our exhibitions as, you know, what do we need to improve on for game number one of the regular season? Yeah. Um, I, I realized 12 days in, we're not going to have it all figured out. Right. Um, so it's kind of just saying, what do we need to, what do we need to improve on? You know, it's kind of like saying, play someone here, break us down so I can figure out where I need to build us back up for day one, for game one. Gotcha. So. And that's so, man, that's quick. August 12th. Wow. And that's, who's that against again? Uh, we'll go to Virginia beach to play Will and Mary. Gotcha. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot of moving parts in a short time frame. So you mentioned something there and I thought, so for some of our listeners, right. Or maybe freshmen who are about to do this or maybe, or they're a year out, right. They're 20, maybe 2024s tips for <laughs> tips for incoming freshmen as it pertains to literally moving, right. As to who knows, right. From, Hey, what do I bring? Obviously every school is slightly different, but yeah. just general things to bring, what to, you know, what to expect. And then of course, those, those first handful of, of, uh, of training sessions where they kind of get the, uh, the culture shock. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the biggest tip is uh, if you can get the, the phone numbers of your upperclassmen to figure out what to bring and what not to bring, <laughs> they will let you know. So you don't buy that whole school sheet. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That's why I ask. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, soccer wise, I think I tell all most uh, most of our committed kids right now and most of our the players that we're looking at. Right. The biggest thing that you can control coming into preseason is your fitness, um, you know, because if you're chasing your fitness coming into preseason, uh, you know, you're kind of setting yourself even further and further back. Um, so if you can I, we always tell our freshmen, like, listen, we realize you're not going to come in a hundred percent fit ready to go now if you find a way to get yourself to 85 percent by first game i'm going to get you to 90 95 fitness in just preseason um and plus it's going to keep you out of the training room plus it's going to keep you out of being injured and being not being able to participate in training um you know i think soccer wise you know i think a lot of freshmen are in for a little bit of a, a wake-up call a little bit. You know, you go from being one of the best players on your club team or in your high school team, and, you know, you won this accolade, won out this accolade, to then playing against, you know, 18 to 22, 23, even 24-year-old women right now, right? You're playing against someone who has done this for a year to even four years. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is to find your your way and not try to chase what that person, that person who's been here four years already, right. It's trying to make your own impact. Um, and you know, year one, that could be, I made an impact off the bench or I made an impact in training by making sure that our starting 11 was, was as prepared as possible. And that's kind of just being that team player type of thing. But um, yeah, I, I think fitness is kind of the biggest thing. And I know a lot of people harp on it and it kind of seems like a little bit of a cop out answer, but it's true. uh so true though but, yeah true. it's it's more than just you know being able to compete it's just keeping yourself healthy right it's trying to keep yourself out of that training room and not being the person that's uh standing chasing balls and being the person that's hitting them in the back of the net right right so yeah. 
what if you can isolate and pick just one thing more above everything else what has you the most excited about the upcoming 2023 fall season yeah um yeah you know i i think i'm really excited about our schedule right i think we last year we played a couple really cool road trips where we went to pittsburgh and rhode or and new york city but um you know i think this year that the teams that are coming to us you know we're playing some good competition um and i think our, our girls are up for it i think there's been a point where you know we talk about you know to be the hunted you have to be the hunter right so um so this year like we are going to be hunting after teams right and we're going to have to put in a full effort every 90 minutes to get results um so yeah I, I, like i said i think i think the personnel that we're returning are coming back right like you know we, we went from a team last year that barely had any experience to you know our, our whole team has a minimum of 25 games played um which you know okay. is, a, is a big deal because the college soccer game is is far different than any other game in the country right you know the subbing patterns uh the styles of play right um so if you have that experience right away and you know i realize nowadays with the transfer portal you can kind of get that immediately if you want um but you know and i like i said i think our 23 classes you know like i said there's some really great individual human beings and there's some really good soccer players too um so i think they're going to continue to to raise the the floor and kind of get the get that to a point where we're getting closer to our ceiling um and the depth that we're going to have on our team this year is going to be something that makes us able to compete for 90 minutes instead of having those lapses you know for 15 10 15 minutes gotcha all right next one here i got for you is this one is uh, i love asking this one but it's also it's uh, <laughs> gonna put you on the spot on this one very low sure. question right so the 2023 VMI women's soccer season will be finish this sentence. The 2023 VMI women's soccer season will be a success. If. Oof. Um, I think it will certainly be a success if we reach our potential. Um, I think, it, I, you know, we can sit here and talk the talk and, um, and I, I know our girls are excited to come back and to make an impact. Um, but, you know, I think if we reach our potential and we find our playing style and we find our identity and we, we realize that being at a military institute, we are a little blue collar innately um, and we're going to have to outwork teams. I think we're going to reach our potential and find quite a bit of success. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously being in our tough conference and, you know, a lot of military institutes or a, little, a lot of military schools, you know, there is you know, kind of the stigma that there's not a whole lot of success there. I think we can kind of change that stigma if we are, um, if we kind of find that range where we are changing those, those lapses of 10, 15 minutes to, you know what, Hey, we played bad for three minutes, right? Not that everything's going to go perfect in 90 minutes, but those three minutes, you know, we, we didn't have our best three minutes, but we nine for 87 minutes, we were really, really good. Awesome. Well said. Well said. I like that. Um, again, he is Andrew Green, the associate head women's soccer coach of the VMI Kidets. Um, coach, next question here for you. Got a couple more as we start transitioning yeah. here. Um, you mentioned the portal earlier, and you're kind of in a un very unique position, especially at the D1 level, where yeah. yes, it's in play, but kind, but not really, really right there at VMI. Um, we talked about the game, right? The state of, of the women's soccer game. And, and this is kind of 
overarching, right? As far as from club and high school to the college game, really in, in those parameters, just what are your thoughts on that in terms of just what you're seeing recruiting front high on um, high school soccer, whatever, you know, this is kind of pretty broad question, but yeah. the state of the game at, at those three, those two key levels really that feed the college soccer game and then the college soccer game itself. What are your thoughts on the state of the game right now? Yeah. You know, um, obviously there are some, some negatives to some of those things, but I think overall as a whole compared to where it was 10 years ago when I started coaching. Right. Um, I think, you know, the accessibility to women's soccer, um, mm. you know, the amount of college coaches that are going to showcases and that are going to not just ECNL, GA, you know, we go to regional league, we go to, um, we go to the USYS, we go to Jefferson Cup, we go to NCFC, right? We, we go where there's players. Um, so I think, you know, I'm a big believer and I know our staff is here of the no stone unturned type of mentality, right? I'm not just going to go sit at the two biggest leagues and just sit there and hope I land players, right? And I think that's why some players get overlooked. But, you know, I think the accessibility of women's soccer nowadays, you know, you know, 10 years ago, you know, a, a women's soccer game being on TV was far, like, far-fetched. Um, and now, you know, ESPN Plus, you can watch every single college soccer game every night. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously that, you know, obviously the recruiting fronts, um, you know, there's there's no perfect formula for it. Um, but like I said, the accessibility, the amount of coaches that are going to these showcases, um, the amount of opportunities for student athletes to get recruited has probably been at an all time high. Like, obviously, like I said, there are some negatives. There are some horror stories to recruiting. Um, but I think compared to where it was 10 years ago, right. You know, and the, the amount of colleges that have women's soccer, they not, a, not just division one, division two, division right. three, NAIA, JUCO, um, you know, the amount of opportunities to play are there, right. I think what student athletes have to realize is that you can't, if you have the division one or bus mentality, right. Then those opportunities aren't going to be there. If that's what you think. Um, so but yeah, I think like obviously the state of the game right now, um, you know, I think women's soccer is at a point where, you know, especially at the college level, you know, you look at the amount of collegiate athletes that are playing in the Women's World Cup right now. Um, you know, there's there's a couple in Haiti, there's a couple at some of the smaller countries. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's, um, there's a girl from, that's playing for Jamaica as well that's a collegiate athlete right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the opportunities are there and, you know, as the, the way the NWSL continues to grow and USLW and, you know, the opportunities to play past college are even getting any, they're getting, uh, quite a bit larger. Right. So, um, yeah. And, you know, kind of looking at the transfer portal type situation, I, you know, <laughs> you can love it or hate it. Um, you know, the way that I look at it is my responsibility. If I recruited you, I'm responsible to coach you for four years. Um, if you don't like your surroundings, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you, there's something that you need to take that, but I, I would, you know, for me, I would never ask the kid to go to the portal or, you know, tell them, you know, this is the best interest for you. Like if I recruited you, I I'm responsible for coaching you for four years. Right. Um, so yeah, and there's, there's good and drawbacks to it. There's good things mm-hmm. and there's some drawbacks and, um, you know, I think some schools use it great, you know, the grad transfer rule now, you know, absolutely. If you can play for another year and, you know, continue a degree, absolutely. You know, yeah. um, 
that's I'm, I'm actually helping one of our player, one of our current seniors right now, who's going to look to play a year after this year because she has interest in that too. Absolutely, if you can play another year, right, and you can start a graduate degree, why not? Um, but yeah, I, I think you know there's some obviously horror stories across women's soccer, but um, you know I think the state of the game as itself is probably one of the best it's ever been. But you know, obviously, there's always continuing room to grow. Right. You know, so I, I got to ask you here, right? So as you come across, not just through the recruiting front on the club side, but maybe even through social media on the high school side, what do you, what, what comes across your radar as it pertains to just Texas soccer, right? At the high school level, club level, what do you, what do you know? What do you see? Anything? A lot of good soccer, <laughs> lot, <laughs> lots, lots of good soccer, whether it's on the club level or whether it's on the high school level, um, you know, and, and I know this, I've started to be, to hit it a little harder now because um, two of our, one of our um, soon to be sophomores and an incoming freshman, uh, both are from Southlake. So they both went to Southlake mm -hmm. Carroll. So, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and I think looking at our roster, you know, we have a girl coming in from Albion Hurricanes, Solar, uh, we have a Dallas Texans on our roster. You know, we, we kind of hit that state hard just because, you know, there is quite a, Quite a lot of good players and you know on social media there's these girls do a really good job of marketing themselves um yeah. and i think that's one of the best things that you can do with social media is, is you know use it to market yourself um you know and put your put your tape out there put you know tag coaches you know i, I love when i when i get tagged in the post you know hey check out my highlight video yeah you know um right. so yeah i mean there's a you know i look at the I was just recruiting at the ECNL finals because it's right in our backyard in Richmond. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think Solar had a team in almost every age bracket. And then when I watched the regional league stuff, FC Dallas had a team in three age brackets and the in the final eight in the country. So you know, it's kind of hard to ignore that when right. you know, there's there's quite a good team, quite a few good teams. And you know, we've had some really great individuals come from Texas too. Some really humble people, some people who want to work hard and are really great in the classroom. And you know, I think. You know, it's something that I, I, I'm going to continue to hit pretty hard in the state of Texas is if you if you're interested in our kind of environment, you know, absolutely. Like, I, I want to have a chat with you. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, you know, you it, it's probably safe to say most people would agree on this, that from 20, what was that, 2016, 2017 to 2021, <clears throat> excuse me, in that time frame. So in about a four, maybe five year period the college game college athletics really as a whole but here specifically college soccer right you saw probably the biggest transformations in terms of the history of of athletics right in terms of we talked about the introduction of the transfer portal then the pandemic and the super you know the super seniors period and then and then as well as nil right yeah. what you know when you look at all of that, the landscape on top of everything we've discussed, what what do you see as maybe that's a lot, right? Yeah. Right now, currently that we're kind of navigating through, but what do you see as the biggest change coming to the college game in the next five years? Um, you know, I kind of hope you're crystal ball there, right? Yeah. I kind of hope selfishly it's the, uh, the year round model. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's been proposed on the men's side quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I think at times when, you know, our conference finally switched to playing Thursday, Sunday games, 
um, for a while we were playing Friday, Sunday. Um, and you know, you're playing, playing what again now? You're playing what again now? This summer or this, this fall we'll play on Thursday, Sunday. And Thursday, last, Sunday. yeah, last year we played Friday, Sunday. So in that Friday's Sunday model, which was a model for a very long time, you know, you're talking about playing on Friday at 7 PM That's and brutal. then playing yeah. Sunday at mid afternoon. Yeah. You know, we're not even talking 48 hours recovery. Um, and you know, in that dual model, right. And in that kind of college week period, right. You're really only truly training once or twice. Like, you know, you have a pregame session, you have a, po you have a recovery session the day after a game, a day off, we're kind of leaving, you know, one to two true sessions. So the teaching aspect of college soccer, you know, at times in the, in the fall really isn't there. Um, you know, that's why we use our spring as such a development time, right? right. There's, we play right. five scrimmages. They really don't matter. Um, and at that point, we're just trying to develop our players the best we can. Um, in the year round model, right? You'll be able to play once a week. You know, you'll be able to give true days off. You'll be able to give true recovery. You'll be able to kind of be on that almost professional model of where, you know, you're, you're playing on a Sunday, you recover, do an active recovery Monday, you're, you're off Tuesday, and then you're finally back training on Wednesday. And then we still have two times before, two training sessions before we can, you know, ramp you down again. Um, so I, I think that year round model, I know it's been pushed on by a couple power five schools. And I, I know without me being the, uh, having the background on it, I don't know what, you know, resources and financially it'll look like, but you know, I think if we can kind of look towards that year round model, I think it'll be the best thing for our student athletes, uh, at least like, you know, health wise, you know, you look at the amount of knee injuries that are in women's soccer, you know, those, mm -hmm. a lot of those are, a lot of those are overuse. Yeah. You know, like, so I think the, the more that we can kind of look at that year round model, I, I hope that's something that comes at, you know, selfishly, you know, I, as much as I love recruiting in the spring and at the end of our season, right. I, I want to be on the field. You know, that's what coach, that's the best part of coaching is being on the field with your team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's something that I hope will come. Right. Yeah. It's a tough one, right. It's a tough one in terms of, yeah. So, um, Great stuff. Uh, he is Andrew Green, the associate head women's soccer coach of the VMI Cadets. Uh, as we start to transition here, Coach, we're going to go ahead and tell you about some of our partners here. We'll tell you first about our partners at Gipper. So Gipper is the way schools, athletic departments, ADs, and coaches create world-class marketing content. Join over 2,500 coaches, ADs, and programs that use Gipper to create high-quality visual branded graphics for your program. The best part, anyone can do it in seconds on any device without needing any design any design experience whatsoever. And just for being a listener of the 5050 podcast, you're going to instantly save 10% off any first time Gipper purchase. All you got to do is go to gipper.com slash partner slash 5050 to learn more. Again, that's gipper.com slash partner slash 5050 to get your 10% savings on any annual plan. And our other proud partners, we just got to see them this week at the Texas high school coaches association convention in, uh, in Houston, got to see both of these actually, but uh, had a good had a chance to ch uh, chat with our good friend Kyle, as well as the uh, the owner Bill Bill Christian, our good friends at Global Scarves. Global Scarves is the top provider of custom knitted scarves, beanies, and other fan merchandise in the U.S. All merch is fully custom with free design services and free shipping on all orders. That's pretty remarkable stuff, right? You can contact them for more information at info at globalscarves.com to get any free designs or quotes built up for your school or program. 
Again, you can contact them at info at globalscars.com and just mention to them the 5050 podcast or use the code hashtag 5050 pod and they'll be sure to take care of you. So great stuff. Uh, all right, coach, it is about that time. Uh, we're going to transition here. Counterattack this is where we get to have some fun with you, ask you some completely random off the wall <laughs> questions. Uh, you ready to go? Always. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. And a big shout out. Thank you again, Ken, for your support and for listening to us. We really appreciate you. Big fan of your work as well, Ken. Thank you. All right. First question right out of the gate. You got to support one, despise one, and invest in one of these clubs. Okay. Oh, so, Wrexham, Sunderland, and AFC Richmond. What are you doing? <laughs> so it was support, despise, and invest. Yeah, support, right. support, hate. Hate is a strong word, obviously. Despise, but not a fan of, right? And investing one, like literally investing one. What are you doing? All right. Um, I'm supporting AFC Richmond. Uh, Ted Lasso is one of my favorite shows so far. <laughs> um, I'll invest in Wrexham the way they're going. And unfortunately, my other clubs in the north of England as well. So I'll, desp I'll uh, despise Sunderland. Yeah. You a Newcastle guy? Uh, no, a little lower. Manchester oh, okay. United, unfortunately. Oh my god! <laughs> this uh, this concludes the podcast. <laughs> oh my god! What is it? You you these Manchester like United a, people? I like can't a, get away from them. It's like a All cult right. of us over here. <laughs> All right, VAR, yes or no? Yes, with stipulations. You would sti give us those stipulations. <laughs> I, we were actually talking about this last night watching the game. I think you should, yeah. you know, once the referee has to go to the monitor, I think they should have 90 seconds to make a decision. Ooh, interesting. I think, I think the more you look so at it, the more have a clock, right? Have a clock on them maybe, right? Just yeah. to see, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, you, you watched the U.S. game last night, you know, between the two halves, there's uh, 17 minutes of added time. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So, I saw that. Um, but yeah, VAR has been great. I think it's kind of caught, you know, things that, you know, and obviously it's been horrible for some teams. You know, nobody likes to celebrate and wait for VAR, but um, but I think it's been great to just catch these things that are important that kind of mm -hmm. you know decide games. Yeah, what's your take on that new little piece, that new little wrinkle that they're experimenting with now, where they're actually explaining it to the crowd, right? The decision there. What, well, what's your take on that? But I thought I was watching an NFL football game last <laughs> night where <laughs> explaining the, the the call to the crowd. You know. I, it's interesting. I think it definitely causes more controversy, but uh, at least, you know, if you're going to explain it, uh, you know, I, I got no opinion to it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. I'm, I'm still waiting for the day for when the official says the wrong thing, right? <laughs> the, uh, you know, God forbid. Yeah. So, all right. Um, book you are currently reading or just recently read? Um, I reread um, Sir Alex Ferguson's leading book. It's something that I always mm. read um, going into preseason because uh, just, you know, kind of with my path of trying to be a head coach, you know, that man management side and kind of, you know, seeing how things were done. And um, that's something that I just reread. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. I got, I got that in here somewhere. Yeah. Here in the studio, but uh, yeah, as much as I am not a United fan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, obviously you, you got to If you're a coach, you got to be a, a Fergie, you know, fan yeah. on some level. Right. So, yeah. for sure. so here's, I got one here that I might record recommend for you. If you haven't heard of it's my current, my current read. It's pretty phenomenal actually. Yeah. I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. 
pretty phenomenal. I'm about uh, about halfway through it right now, yeah. and uh, great read, great read, especially from that that coaching methodology, philosophical perspective, right. right, and kind of bringing it back to you know to to the roots, I guess, if you will. Um, just and and I'm just fascinated with how how the how how the Germans do you know their their particular focus on on player and coach development. So, right. Yeah. So yeah, great uh, great read. All right, next one. Professional coach. I probably know the answer to this one now, but professional coach, you pattern yourself after if if you have one, if there is one. Or one um, you- oh, um, this might be a little off the wall one. Um, I, I'm a big Eddie Howe fan at Newcastle, believe it or not. Um, I loved him when he was at Bournemouth. Um, I think, you know, just his mannerisms you know i think he's kind of cool calm and collected at all times mm-hmm. um i i've really liked eddie how at one point i was kind of hoping when you know in the six times man united's job has been open since Fergie left that he was taking it um but yeah eddie Howe is one that um i like quite a bit yeah yeah he's done great there and it just you know and, and yeah there's there can definitely be open to controversy in terms of who their owners are now i get it but but it's also I I love to see that those Newcastle supporters, right? Just probably some of the most the best, yeah. right? Underrated in in the country. Yeah. They're finally kind of getting that what they deserve, I guess. You know. Yeah, so, agreed. Yeah. So, all right, next one: current music playlist. What's maybe some songs on that current music playlist? Um, I'm a bit of a country fan, believe it or not. Um, nice. So Luke Combs, um, big fan of his Kenny Chet, older Kenny Chesney. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a little bit of stuff like that, you know, a little bit of kind of feel good vibes type of thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, any sort of country music, I'm always pretty down with. Um, so yeah, uh, not a big, not a huge music guy, but if I'm going to have music on, it's normally country. I'm more of a, have a, a bit of a podcast going in the background or something like that. There you go. So that's what you got. That's what you got bumping in the car and those long drives in between ID <laughs> camps, right? So. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, you'll love this next question then. So okay. current current podcast playlist. Ooh, obviously the 50-50 pod. There you the go. I knew, I knew you were a good man. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, that, that is redemption for the Manchester United answer, by the way. That's, that's fair. That's fair. I had to redeem myself a little bit. Uh, modern soccer coach. Oh yes. Um, soccer chat. Sean and Sean and Nick do great things over there. Great guys. Um, Sean's in uh, Sean's in Australia right now with his yeah, squad. Nuts. Yeah. 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 yeah um, I've been telling him. I know that I've been telling him. It's like, hey, you guys got to got to get back on the ball and start pumping out some more of those episodes. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, big fans of theirs too. Yeah, um, two more that I got. Uh, Pat McAfee show, a little bit of all sports, a little bit of comedy in there as well. Yeah. And then in the pandemic, as weird as this sounds, I took up a bit of true crime podcasts, so oh, like yeah. Yeah. stuff like that. And you know, maybe shouldn't have them on while I'm driving at night, but uh, <laughs> that's in the rotation as well. Yeah. You know, I think. I don't know now, but I know when I was looking it up, I was looking up uh, the data. This was probably about maybe three, four months ago. True crime are some of the very top, like as a genre, some yeah. of the very best podcasts, right? Yeah. Like mo- most, or I shouldn't say very best, but just most listened to, right? Yeah, a lot, yeah. Tons and tons of downloads. Yeah, yeah, a lot like of during, yeah during the pandemic, I, I 
you know, I, I, I dived into everything soccer. It was great. Um, but, you know, a little after, you know, after we thought this was just going to last a couple of weeks and we were in, you know, week <laughs> or month five or six and, you know, I had to pick up something different. So yeah. true crime was it when I would go for walks with my dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So walking at night, listening to true crime, with the dog, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. The pandemic, you know, that's what kind of, that was kind of what led to the uh, the creation, the genesis of this podcast was right yeah. at the peak of the pandemic, right? Same wow. thing. So love yeah, that. I got you. Greatest sports movie. Oof. Mm. All right. Um, I got two. Uh, Miracle is one. Mm. Uh, probably one of my favorite sports movies. Um, and then probably Remember the Titans. It was probably the other one. Two of my yeah. best sports movies. Nice. Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of have a, I kind of have a three-headed monster for my greatest sports movies. So yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, and you mentioned you mentioned one of them there in Miracle. Love Miracle. Yeah. Yeah. So. so uh all right next one here for you well I, I guess we already established part of this so favorite and least favorite soccer team all right i besides may united i am a big uh u.s national team supporter men's and women's um it's been a diehard thing for me and i've i've, mm -hmm. I've died on that stone quite a few times <laughs> um so though you know Besides Manchester United, the U.S. U.S. national team, both men's and women's, and then probably the Mexican national team as uh, the least favorites. You know those dos dos yeah. you know things like that. The atmosphere, you know, I think I think that's probably the least favorite. And I might I might cause a little bit of an uproar, but uh, you know, club wise, definitely leads. Not yeah. not not what you were thinking. You know, leads back in the day with the main leads, leads rivalries. Really? Yeah, wow, leads. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of it is a little bit of a bummer to see them go down, but hopefully, uh, hopefully they're back in the league. So, yeah. but yeah, all right, yeah, you got me by surprise a little bit on that one. But yeah, the, <laughs> the Mexican national team one that one's been mentioned a few yeah. times. So I respect, I, I like Jurgen Klopp. I like the tactics. I like everything like yeah. that. I'm supposed to dislike it, and I'm supposed to dislike City, but you know the two right. managers that that do their thing and the type of football that they play, it's very hard to dislike mm -hmm. as a coach. Yeah, I think as a as a coach, right, you can view it differently from the standpoint of just, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, I, I guess when you look back on it, maybe just the fact that we're in this era where, where we've been able to see, you know, whether it was Pep versus Mourinho, Pep versus Klopp, right, and yeah. just these, like, these amazing rivalries, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, next one. So this one, I love, I always ask this one, right? So, and this one, maybe you could come back to VAR with us too. If you maybe. <laughs> you, one thing you would change in soccer in America tomorrow, right? If you were, you're appointed the soccer czar in a new yeah. position, right? You're in charge of all soccer, right? Whatever Andrew Green says goes. Very first change you'd make soccer in America tomorrow. What would it be? As, as someone who has a... A one-year-old that I hope to play soccer that I hope play soccer one day. Uh, the pay-to-play model and the amount of money that's spent in youth soccer. I think that's something that has to be revisited. I don't know what the answer is. Um, I think it's something that has to be revisited right away because you know you look at the money that's spent 
with these club teams, you know, not even with the travel part, just club dues, right? And, you know, then you add the travel part on top of it, right? It's just something where, you know, you're alienating a good part of the population from this game that's supposed to be for everyone. Um, So I I think that's something for me that that if I could, I would address. I I don't know how to address it. I don't know Mm -hmm. what the answer is because there's, you know, a, a lot of clubs that, you know, these, you know, because of that pay to play model, there's a lot of full time mm-hmm. coaches. Um, yeah. And it's something that we, you know, we love to do. But, you know, yeah. I think, you know, whether it's sponsorships, whether it's academies, whether it's, you know, these, you know, the MLS teams forming a full academy and making it open to play, right? Like, I think it's something where it just has to be revisited. Yeah. Yeah. I think sponsorships has a huge play in there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how does that even get introduced and, affecting a lot of the people some of the key i don't know for lack of better words gatekeepers that are really cashing in right now yeah they're you know but you know and ironically i'll mention this to you since i since um i'm on here with you you're a college coach i had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with someone here at the state level and one of the one of the things that was brought up is too is like hey aside from until maybe parents insist that they're not maybe chasing a league right or yeah. they're not chasing a, oh, a, yeah. a level but then also they said i think part of that vicious cycle of everything is too is i don't they it was brought up they don't know if if players and therefore parents won't also chase a particular league a particular division if until maybe college coaches stop attending maybe primarily just those events yeah right? Um, and you're in a different, you're in a different situation as well. Cause you talked about that. No, you know, <laughs> leave no stone unturned. And right. I firmly understand that having been at the air force Academy. So I get, that's a different, that's a different, um, different animal altogether, but I don't know. I did, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. That's a, we can clearly identify the issue, but how do we yeah. tackle these symptoms? Right. Yeah. And like I said, I, like I said, I have a one-year-old right now who I hope to eventually that, I, you know, if he wants to play soccer, great. Um, you know, and if, if he wants to, I'm going to try and put him in the best environment that he can be in. But, you know, when you look at the fees that come with that, like you're, you're making it pretty difficult on parents to put their kids through youth soccer. Yeah. 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 And, and the hard part is right. And we just, obviously we're talking about a record inflation period right now, but mm-hmm those numbers they never go down right they just continue to go up that's part of the issue there as well so all right um all right good one any game day superstitions or rituals as as a coach not as a player um i have a bit of a caffeine problem with coffee um so uh i'm a big get a coffee in the morning type of person review the scouting report um I'm kind of someone that likes to go out before all the coaches and set the warm up up myself. Um, that's just just my time to kind of gather my thoughts. So um, normally it's and I'll do that with a coffee in my hand. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's normally grab a coffee. It's in in Lexington. It's normally from one of the same places every every game day on the road. It kind of varies depending on where the hotel is. Um, so yeah, grab a coffee, and I I like to be the one that sets the warm up up by myself, um, kind of gather my thoughts and things like that. So yeah, those are my two rituals that I have before every game. Now, what's the coffee technique? Are you like, are you slamming this thing down in like <laughs> in like five minutes, or do you take your time and takes you like on half an hour, forty five minutes to drink a cup of coffee? What's how how, how do you handle um, this? Um, 
in preseason, it'll probably be the slamming type because it's uh, 12, 15 hour days. But uh, on game day, it's normally, you know, I'm, I'm someone that likes to enjoy my coffee, you know, 30 minutes or so kind of, you know, have, I'll probably have it until our team meeting before the game. So, um, and I'm pretty much a, a straight up black coffee drinker. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's pretty, pretty old and boring, but it's just something that kind of gets me at peace before every game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The uh, next one here for you. Most recent binge watch Netflix video, video, Hulu, whatever most recent. Yeah. One. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I are massive Ted Lasso fans um, for yeah. someone who played volleyball in college and did not know anything about soccer. It's kind of, she's kind of seen past the soccer side of Ted Lasso. So we waited until the whole season three came out. Like I'm not probably one person who could wait to watch one episode every week. I hate uh, that Apple does that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we spent uh, two nights binge watching the uh, the whole season three of Ted Lasso. Yeah. Final takeaways: Is it obviously it was very different and uh, from season one, but uh, without any spoiler alerts, any final thoughts on that? Um. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it was quite good. Um, yeah. They do a really good job with that show and the lead up and, you know, being able to put current events into things and to kind of make it more than just soccer. Um, now, without spoiling it, you know, the ending did kind of leave me a little, little wondering what's next, if anything. Um, so, but yeah, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So I'm in the middle of watching two right now. Um, okay. Also on, also on Apple hijack with uh, Idris Elba. I don't know if you've yeah. had a chance to. See yeah. That. We haven't watched that yet. That's on our, that's on our uh, yeah. list. Yeah. Like I'm still, still kind of coming around on that one. And then um, I'm about five episodes into um, the, the quarterback on Netflix. Really good. Gotcha. Really gotcha. good. Really good. So yeah. I'm normally a big person that saves uh, seasons for our bus rides. Uh, yeah. Like when Outer Banks came out and everyone knew everything, like I was watching one or two episodes a time on the bus. Yeah. Um, and everybody knew what happened. And there, I was like, just just don't tell me. I'll, I'll put my headphones in. Just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to consume mine more during obviously the, the off season, right? The summer and in the fall here, because once once I'm in season, <laughs> ironically, once I'm in season, I usually only can watch one episode here. Yeah. And the next episode, maybe two weeks later. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I got you. All right. In three words, why do you coach? Three words or less. Um, I can give it to you in one word, relationships. Um, I really like the relationships that I have with our players, relationships that I get with our coaches, you know, our staff and working camps. And, you know, like for me, I'm a big relationship person. You know, I want to be there for you. I want to be involved in what you're doing as, as long as you want me involved. Um, so I'm, I'm a big relationships type of person and, you know, like to be involved in any and help in any way that I can. So, yeah. 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 Well said. Well said. Very well said. All right. Final one here, coach. All right. Everything you've learned over the years, right? 10 plus years of coaching, your coaching development piece. If you could go back and coach the player that was you, how would you, how would you have coached you? Oh, I would have to deal with a bit of hot headedness. Um, yeah, I think just looking back at how I was as a player, you know, it's just, um, you know, kind of teaching that, uh, that 
kind of calming down mentality. I was a big person who got up for games. I was a big emotional player. Um, so it's kind of being able to control those emotions that time. I was, a, I was more of a ball winning center back type person. So um, mm-hmm. kind of had to jack myself up a little bit to go running into people. Um, so like just being able to coach the emotional side of the game, you know, not taking dumb fouls, not putting in stupid tackles at times. Right. Um, so just kind of finding that emotional side that, you know, as a player, I didn't know, you know, I found out really quickly after coaching that, you know, now that if I hop into games, which is very rarely, I am a much better player now after coaching than I am when I was a player. It is amazing how that works. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Right. So like the, the, the legs don't work anymore, but, uh, you know, but the, the wisdom, my, right? The wisdom, yeah, right? my mind, I actually have a tactical mind now. <laughs> Your coach would be so proud. <laughs> Great stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Got a question in here for you, coach, actually. Yeah. Um, this one, I don't know how much it'll pertain to you, but want to yeah. go ahead and share it. This one's in from GZDR4EB. Yeah. With NIL deals, does it put more pressure on you to play those players if they or if if they have if they have bad practices or even to cut those players? Yeah. I think at the um, I think this would definitely be a football question. I think at soccer, you yeah. know, the NIL deals are so small that it's not even, yeah. you know, you're looking at very local things, very, uh, very small NIL deals. Like we had a player last year who had an NIL deal with a local smoothie place, right? And mm-hmm. it's just promoting it on social media. So I think for us in soccer, no, like I said, you know, with this and the transfer portal, like I'm, I'm a big believer. And if I recruited you, I'm responsible for developing you. Um, so like, I don't ask people, I don't cut players. I don't ask players to leave our program. Um, you know, if you want to leave, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to ask you to leave. Right. Yeah. 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 No, well said. That's uh, yeah, it's a good, I mean, and I think that's important. It's kind of why I put that up there. Great yeah. question, by the way, but I think it's important for maybe for players and for, and for parents alike to, to hear that, that these, you know, these NIL deals, they're not exactly, uh, career you know career builders right necessarily especially yeah not in our sport yeah <laughs> awesome he is andrew green the associate head women's soccer coach of the vmi cadets coach this has been great have loved having you on here um this you know this is uh it's been a minute now for us i think it's been about what, three two three weeks since we've had an episode at least probably three weeks so it's great to have you on here you know um we know you're excited in the coming days for your upcoming season uh, so we're wishing you nothing but the absolute best. And this is our final, uh, our final part of the podcast here, our stoppage time, where you kind of get to give any any final thoughts uh, as it relates to the game stuff that's going on. Thank yous, shout outs, whatever you want to share. The floor is yours. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, Hector, thanks for having me on. You know, um, any time that I can get out and promote VMI and promote the great things that our that our student athletes do, you know, I, I absolutely love it because they. Uh, they are some incredible human beings, right? You know, I, you know, I told them in the, in the fall, like they asked, you know, you know, who do I look up to at times, you know, that, you know, the adversity that you guys face, you know, you guys are the reason why I keep doing this. Right. So, uh, but yeah, obviously with the fall upcoming, really excited for, you know, 2023. And I think the potential of our group is really, really exciting and obviously for our staff. So um, yeah, again, thanks for having me on, you know, this has been fantastic. Anytime that I can get out and talk and promote the women's game and, you know, talk about recruiting and talk about our school and, you know, um, yeah, I think that, that about does it. 
Great stuff, Coach. We uh, we wish you the absolute best. Now, before before we forget, for our people that are listening on the audio or will hear this later on the audio podcast portion, where can they go to find you? Where can they go to get more information on VMI as well? Yeah, so um, I'm on all platforms. Uh, maybe not this new Threads thing yet, but I uh, haven't figured that out yet. But uh, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter. You know, you can DM me any questions at Coach Greener, G R E E N E R. Um, you know, VMI, you can follow us on women's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, at VMI Wosock. You can all see it right away. Um, yeah, you can follow along with what we're doing this fall. And, you know, obviously, if any coaches or any athletes, you know, within the NCAA rules, obviously, want to reach out and can ask me a question and I can help in any way, you know, I think that'd be great. And obviously, for coaches that want to reach out, uh, you know, I've had a lot of great coaches that have helped me along this journey, and it's always great to pay it forward. So uh, if I can help anyone out, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, great stuff. And uh, you got to let us know next time you'll be in Texas, definitely when you're in the, uh, the greater San Antonio area, love to uh, love to link up and uh, talk yeah. some more. So definitely absolutely. anything we can do to help you out along the way, uh, don't hesitate. Uh, this has been great coach. Thank you again. And for our listeners, for our supporters, thank you again for your continued support. Um, as we continue to, you know, we we're in the middle of launching, we just launched our newsletter. So please go, you can go and sign up for that. Uh, but you can also, we're still working in very, very early stages of our website. Hopefully more, more to come on that in the coming, coming weeks. Uh, but again, go on to, you can find us on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast, go on there, subscribe, sign up for notifications and you'll get a notification anytime we go live. You can also find us on Twitter and Twitch at 50 underscore 50 pod, as well as on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. So to Andrew Green, the associate head women's soccer coach of VMI. Thank you, coach. Appreciate your time to all our supporters and our listeners. As we always say, you're the reason why we do it. So until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 podcast powered by National Scouting Report. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.